Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Strand. Strands are, of course, Canucks Insider, also covering the team at the Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We are live at Rogers Arena. The Canucks are on the ice, still practicing. Uh, it will be... Uh, it will be... Um, their last practice before their regular season gets going tomorrow. Obviously, they'll have the morning skate, but their last day Don't bury the, the lead. Season. Don't bury the lead, Jamie. There's a lot going on today. There's a lot going on today here. Patrick Elvin spoke this morning. We will play the audio for you in full. It is pretty fresh. But in between Patrick Elvin speaking and us going on the air, it became republicized, reported by Elliot Friedman, that Connor Garland, who has switched agents mm-hmm. to Ju- Judd Moldaver, has been granted permission to seek a trade from the Vancouver Canucks to a better fitting situation. Now, all of this all of this context, and, and this is what I want to caption before we listen to Alvin, because I thought this was a pretty meaty Alvin availability. Mm-hmm. You'll hear a lot of injury updates. Some positive, by the way, as Carson Soucy is informally downgraded from week to week to day to day. You will hear about the flu ransacking the Vancouver Canucks. You will hear a non-update on Guillaume Brisebois. You will hear Alvin react to the, the latest reports on Elias Pettersson and the club perhaps doing the, well, if you don't like me, I don't like you either, uh-huh. stance, uh, at, you know, at, as per Elliot Friedman, whose Canucks info you can take to the bank, as we said yesterday. Um, and, and you'll also hear him... Um, you know, discuss the NHL's new policy regarding pride tape. So this is a media availability, and and yet I do think the cap, the cap, the cap, the cap mm-hmm. is the story here on all fronts, right? The Vancouver Canucks have seven defensemen on their active roster at the moment, and Alvin told us, and you'll hear him say it shortly, that they don't expect to make any additional transactions today. He added that he does not expect Carson Soucy to go on LTI. As for Guillaume Brisebois, we haven't seen him since he got smoked by Brandon Tanev in the club's penultimate yes. preseason game on Wednesday uh, against the Seattle Kraken. And he's not at the rink today, or, or at least he's not at the rink as practice unfolded. He, he'd already left the rink by the time the club took the ice and by the time Alvin spoke. So there's something going on there. And... That leaves the Canucks with five active defensemen. Yeah, I was going to say, we should note neither Susie or Breezebois skating with no, the team today. No, there's only today. five defensemen, only five on, the defensemen on the ice So <laughs> that certainly suggests that neither of them is going to be an option tomorrow. And without another shoe dropping, right, the club does not have the cap space to recall a defenseman. In fact, they didn't even have the cap space to have Cole McWard on the roster instead of Guillaume Breezebois mm. as things stood in the wake of the Sam Lafferty deal. So... The club may have to use emergency conditions. Now, in the event that a club falls beneath 12 healthy forwards or five healthy defensemen, they're able to use emergency conditions to fill out their roster, provided that the player being replaced makes under $1.15 million um, against the cap. So Hirose or McWard, most likely Hirose, would fit the bill. But you can't use it necessarily for, like, a player who should be on IR. You Mm. can't use it to circumvent the cap. 
Um, so, you know, the, the lack of updates on Brisbane and the constant references to the flu suggest to me uh, that the Canucks may be setting up to, to play game one of the season in emergency conditions, um, you know, at, at which point you'll just be hanging on for, for when Carson Soucy gets back in the lineup. It is tight, and I think that context is crucial, too, in evaluating Connor Garland. Um, you know, Connor Garland's status, why the team now, at this point in the offseason, um, would be so open to this. And I thought Satyar Shah, as usual, just absolutely hit the nail on the head here when he tweeted, Garland is owed $17 million in cash over the next three years. For context, there were four forwards who received more total money than Garland in free agency this summer. Comfer, Kalorn, Engvall, and O'Reilly. In other words, Godspeed. <laughs> yeah. That, that's like just an absolutely devastating and accurate tweet. Moldaver apparently being very aggressive. Per Elliott Friedman, we'll see how it shakes out. But yeah, I mean, this is, I think, a lot of what we expect. The Canucks are compliant, but the seams are already showing as they look to ice a roster for game one. Game one of the NHL. So there's a lot, a lot going on, and as you said, the Garland news from Friedman broke after Patrick Alvin had spoke. So he's not, a, he was not able to uh, address that. Obviously, he would have been asked if it had already come out. We'll see if Connor Garland is made available to the media when they get off the ice here uh, in a few minutes. So we'll keep you posted on that front. But as you mentioned, a lot to get into when Patrick Alvin spoke to the media earlier today. Uh, so we'll play it in full. You'll have a chance to listen, and then we'll offer our reactions on the other side. Here is the Canucks general manager, Patrick Alvin. Well, uh, going through the, the, the discussions with the coaching staff this summer uh, and uh, the options of line combinations and, and how we performed here early on in, in preseason, I felt uh, I wanted to be a little bit harder to play against, uh, a little bit stiffer with the puck. And uh, when Sam uh, became available, uh, we talked and we felt that he is another guy that uh, can play in different positions in the bottom six and, and bring, brings that speed, uh, speed, grit, uh, versatility to our team. So we felt that that was a good addition. In setting your opening day roster, um, there's a couple of defensemen who, whether it's Susie, who Rick said was week to week, and, and Brisbane, who we haven't yet gotten an update on doesn't seem like you necessarily for sure have six healthy defenders. Are, are you making additional roster moves today? Uh, we're not making any roster moves uh, as of today. Uh, we, uh, you all guys know that, that there's been uh, a flu going around the team as well here. So um, a couple of guys I was aware of uh, skated this morning. So I don't, I've been busy. So I don't really know who's going to join, the, join the, the main group here or not. But uh, I will talk to the coaches and, and uh, or staff and see if there needs to be some uh, um, more transactions made uh, leading up for tomorrow's game or not. Did you have an update on Brisbane specifically? I, I don't. Uh, I don't have an update uh, on him specifically. Is there a chance he could play? Um, I think uh, at this point here, as I said, I, I've been busy this morning, so I don't know who uh, will join the main group or not. But uh, I think, uh, as we said, we've gone through uh, training camp and, and a couple guys with bumps and bruises here and, uh, and also the flu had hit uh, the dressing room here. So uh, we'll see uh, who's going to be available for, for tomorrow. I guess a couple of guys might be uh, game time decisions. How do you assess your camp and where your team stands now? 
Yeah, uh, I've been very pleased with the camp. I've been very pleased with uh, how the coaching staff has worked. Uh, their plan leading up to coming into Victoria, um, what we wanted to accomplish and how we uh, want to teach the players. Um, system, uh, structure, uh, details, uh, the interaction between the coaches and the players. I uh, was very pleased to see that and uh, we're just going to continue to, uh, uh, to emphasize on the team game and the team structure and, and how we want to become uh, more and better as a team. Patrick, how many guys are dealing with the flu and there seems to be a resurgence of COVID? Are they dealing with that? Uh, there is. Uh, the the uh, last game against Calgary, there were uh, uh, more than a handful of players that, that would a little bit under the weather there, but they played through it here. And then um, you guys uh, noticed that uh, some of the players uh, didn't uh, participate in the practice on Sunday, I believed. Um, so there is, there is some... Uh, Something going around. What about COVID? So or no, COVID? Uh, no COVID. No COVID. Uh, has the timeline changed on Ilya McKay? Uh, the time uh, in terms of when he'll be ready to go. Well, I, I think he wants to play uh, <laughs> tomorrow, but I think we uh, we're at that uh, stage here where uh, uh, it's a fine balance uh, when pushing him or not. But uh, he's done. Uh, I've been been really impressed with uh, how he worked uh, and. and how he been uh, really pushing it to be ready. Uh, it's, it's a discussion between uh, our medical staff and Ilya and, and the coaches here. Uh, I would believe that uh, he's, he's pretty close to returning here. The fact that he's not going to be ready for opening night, I mean, I think it is now fair to ask, should he have played into late January? Should you have shut him down and had the procedure sooner? Uh, again, I think, uh, I believe that uh, was Adelia's agent that uh, had a statement uh, t this morning. Uh, I think every player is, is uh, different in, regarding the rehabs. When, whenever there is a procedure like this, uh, there is a process uh, behind it uh, where, where we, uh, myself included, uh, communicate with, uh, with his agent, uh, Ilya himself and the doctors, and, and looking at... Uh, uh, the options we have and uh, and again I think uh, this is more uh, individually how long it takes for for different players to uh, to be ready or not so but that's still an aggressive timeline for an ACL injury to think he could be back in close to eight months from when he got the surgery right was there you know if you had a do-over would you have done it differently I believe that uh, some players have been back uh, earlier uh, and as I said uh, this is always a conversation between uh, the player and the agent and, and myself and our doctor. So that was something that uh, that was, uh, you know, decided back then. Patrick, when a player's coming off a surgery to repair a torn ACL, which is a pretty severe uh, ailment, uh, do you have to ramp them up gradually? Do you as a manager have to be a bit patient with them as they find their feet and their hands again? I, th I think we need, uh, as, a, as a staff, uh, you know, have the big picture in, in, in mind. And I think that's where we're dealing with Ilya right now. I think he's, uh, over the last, uh, I would say, two, three weeks, significant have uh, improved in all areas. And, and uh, he's close. And as I said, I think he wants to play. But I think we want to be on the cautious side and make sure that, that he's 110% when he's coming back. And with Susie, um, he was described as week to week by Rick. Are you able to share anything, even if it's just uh, lower body or anything additional about the timeline? I, it, it is a lower body. And 
he's, I believe he was one of the guys skated this morning, so I don't know if he, you know, what uh, the medical side dis um, decided after if he's going to join the practice or not. But uh, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's coming down to day to day, if it has changed day to day. But uh, uh, the last update uh, was, it, was it Rick had on Sunday was week to week. So. Does it seem like then there's a, not a strong possibility that he'd end up on LTI? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't uh, believe that he's going to do that. I, I think he's back here sooner or later. Patrick, uh, training camp started. Great opportunities for both Nils Hoglander and Vasily Putkolson. They were skating with established veterans, offensive roles, and all those types of things. Obviously, Putkolson got sent down. I know he's back on the roster right now, but Hoglander was the odd man out the other. Like, I know this organization wants to see development from both of those guys. How do you look at their preseason? Um, I, I think again, I think the coaches wanted to set them up uh, for succeed and, and uh, have them uh, surrounded by veteran uh, players and, and leadership players as Petey and Miller here. So um, I think but Colson uh, coming in had a, a really good uh, summer, uh, stronger, confident. Uh, when we started to play games, I thought he uh, squeezed his stick a little bit, uh, wasn't able to uh, create uh, the way he's, he's capable of doing. And uh, as the camp moved along here, there were other players that, uh, that outperformed him. And uh, we felt as a staff that uh, the best thing for him to develop into the, the, the NHL player that he's capable of being was to uh, go down to Abbotsford and, and continue to work on his game there. And, and Nils, uh, I think, again, uh, top five in fitness testing, uh, really committed this summer. Uh, again, uh, just shows uh, how competitive it is uh, to get on this, uh, this roster right now. This organization has long tried to reflect the community it's in. You guys have been leaders on Pride Night. Um, are you guys disappointed that Pride Tape has been banned? You know what, uh, decisions like that, that's uh, something we follow the NHL, um, what they recommend. Uh, I think this organization has done a lot of good things in the community, as you mentioned here, and we will continue to do that. But uh, we definitely follow the, the league rules and what they're uh, telling us to do. You're still allowed to have an opinion on the league rules. Are you happy with that? Uh, again, regarding the league rules, we're just following them. Patrick, on Sunday at UBC, Rick said he had to kick Teddy off the ice because he had a bump and a bruise, but he said he tried to get it out, but Rick said, I had to kick him off the ice. Um, you have a history with him. Obviously, you acquired him for a reason. Is there an intangible with Teddy, aside from the PK, being able to play the medals? Is there something special about him that really intrigued you when you guys acquired him? Well, I think Teddy is one of those quiet leaders. Yeah. Uh, talking to uh, our strength coach, Alex, Alex Trinka, uh, when, we, when we got to Alex here this summer, he, he mentioned that Teddy was uh, one of the leaders, um, how you do uh, things day to day, uh, the practice commitment, uh, driving it in the, in the gym. Um, I think Teddy is capable of doing much more, uh, but he, he let his play speak for itself instead of uh, his, uh, his talking there. So I have, uh, I've been very pleased with Teddy, and I think the coaches uh, have been as well. How effective was he with Lafferty killing penalties? Uh, they grew up together in Wilkesbury. Uh, they were very familiar with, with, with each other, so when the trade uh, right. happened there, uh, I believe Sam reached out to Teddy and was extremely happy to uh, uh, Rejoin Teddy and uh, Casey there, so um, that should be a, a pretty good combination. Do you think this team more guys? Do you think this team is better than it was last season? If so, where? Uh, 
I think we changed our group, absolutely. Um, I think we're, uh, we're uh, as we speak uh, of today, I think there is more depth. Uh, we clearly have seen a lot of growth in, in our younger players that didn't even make uh, the opening night roster here that, that showed us that they're capable of coming up anytime and give us games. None of them, in our opinion, were ready to play 82 games. But they sure, uh, at any time, will uh, make the coaches comfortable uh, calling them up. I do think that uh, our depth uh, centers and uh, bottom six has improved. And uh, the message to the players from the coaching staff of uh, commitment to the fitness level in order to play the right way has also improved our group. Patrick, I want to ask you about, oh, sorry, does it feel more like your team? Uh, we're getting there. Uh, I think this is a building process. Uh, I don't think they never uh, uh, set in stone and we would just continue to see uh, how we can get better here. I want to ask you about PD. There was a report this weekend that as he kind of goes through his process of determining a commitment to the organization that the organization also may not be sure themselves about whether they want to commit in that direction. Can you comment at all on where you're at in terms of your desire to keep eating? Uh, I, I'm not aware of what you're referring to. Uh, uh, but I, I, as I said all along, I, like, I have a great relationship with PD. I have a great relationship with his uh, representative. Uh, and uh, we just uh, continue to talk here and uh, hopefully we can get something done. When, season, when the summer started, did you think you'd have him sign to an extension by the beginning of the season? Uh, if that happened, I would be uh, ex extremely happy. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we're again. We're, he, he's not a UFA, so we got uh, two more years uh, uh, with the rights to him. So we'll we'll take our time, and I'm sure he will take his time. So, uh, but we're, we're not. Uh, we're, we're, we'll continue to talk. One more from Thomas, please. And then we're done. Patrick, just want to ask you about Cole McWard, who was in the running. It seemed to make the team right until the final day, and then. Obviously, he's got the higher cap hit. Can't necessarily uh, fit him in with, with everything you've got going on. What's your message to a player in that circumstance who obviously impressed you in the staff um, and, and I'm sure will get a shot but wasn't on the opening day lineup? Yeah, a good question. I think uh, when you come down to, uh, obviously, Cole played a couple of games last year. Um, I, I think it's always that uh, the fine balance, how to protect young players and not put them in, in a position to fail. Um, in this particular uh, player, I think uh, the coaches uh, really growed on him, uh, how his camp uh, came along and, and how he fitted in in the way we want to play. But I also don't think it's uh, uh, something negative for him to go down to, to Abbotsford and start there and, and having uh, key minutes and being a big part of it. So. Um, all those decisions are kind for us in a bigger picture, and, and guys gonna um, more earn it and, and uh, respect the league a little bit more, and, and for us to protect them. So I think Cole has put himself in a really good situation for call ups, and, and so have uh, Heros and, and Philip Johansson as well. So I'm, I'm very pleased with the depth we have. back for real this time here on Canucks Talk Sports at 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drantz live from the mobile Kintech studio here at Rogers Arena. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. 
Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, took a bit of an early break there for one, technical difficulties, <laughs> but also two, just to give everyone some time to digest. Everyone uh, everyone missed my reverse jinx. Yeah, I know. They did. It's too we bad. were just talking away. We were having a great time. <laughs> we would have done the whole segment. We would have. Chatting between ourselves. No, but I mean, more than anything, you know, you brought up that people are m- mentioning, like, yesterday. Yeah. We were talking about a drama-free Canucks preseason and training camp. And then today. Yeah. Fireworks. Yes. And uh, yesterday with the, the Friedman uh, report on Pedersen and then the Connor Garland news. And, you know, I will say we have people asking, like, why is this all happening now? And I will say on the the, the injury cap front, I think it's just this is this is where the rubber hits the road and you have to be compliant and you have to make these difficult decisions. You know what I mean? And now it's also a consequence of the Canucks being incredibly tight to the cap. But the I like. They're just in a position, and some of it is, you know, a little bit of bad luck with the Susie injury and all of that, where the sense I got from Alvin listening there is just there are a lot of balls in the air, a lot of plates they're trying to keep spinning right now as they go into game one of this season. Like, there's a, there's a lot of different permutations for how this could play out over the next 24 hours I mean, so. their, their cap crunch is so severe that while they're compliant, they may play the very first game of the year under emergency conditions due to some late injuries in the preseason. Um, they cannot at the moment without a player hitting LTI um, fit a 23rd body onto the roster. Like until Mikheyev comes back and they wave an additional forward, they can't fill out their defense if Susie and Brisebois are are banged up but not so banged up that, that they, they go, go on LTI. LTI. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, this is part of the consequences we've been talking about. This is like a- after the Heronic deal, I kept saying the bill will come due. And, and you're seeing the seams of it. Here's the thing, too. Today is cap day one of the NHL season. There's 196, 195 days to go after this. And it's not going to get easier, right? Mm. We, how many times do you see a $5 million player miss three games for whatever reason, right? These stuck-in-the-middle injuries are going to make it really difficult for the Canucks to do things like carry the extra defenseman you need when you go to Florida – which, by the way, comes next week. Yep. Next week. So, I mean, hopefully Susie is close. Hopefully he's not rushed back. Um, and hopefully the team's not so desperate for cap space that they're going to consider doing something like retaining significant money on Garland's deal to facilitate a move to give them some breathing room. Because, again, for me anyway, I'll group that under the, you know, Beauvillier, Heronic pre-trade deadline acquisitions where, where this team sort of didn't appropriately prioritize cap space. You know, it's again, it's one thing to operate, to quote Jim Rutherford, right? It's one thing to operate pressed up against the cap and, you know, scraping every barrel because your goal is to hit, you know, playoff game one with as much talent under the cap as you can because mm-hmm. you're a real contending team. This team's not in this situation. So to be pressed up like this this early in the season literally day one of the nhl season man that is it's it's going to make for very tough sledding and it's going to test this management group significantly well and i think uh, i think as i 
you know, I think I'm going to be referencing this a lot this year, but back to Jim Rutherford's comments about everything needs to go right. And that becomes even harder when you are so tight against the cap, right? Like the, the possibilities for things to go off the rails or things to go haywire, even if it's only for like a week at a time. But again, when you're in that position that Rutherford describes, having things be really (laughs) awkward from a roster construction point for a week, that's a big deal. That can really damage your chances. Like, and you know, I'm a worrywart. That's in my nature, <laughs> right? And and that's in the nature of anyone who spent any time managing or administering things for an NHL team internally, right? You're always like, okay, well, what does this look like if this? Mm. Like, imagine a world where Demko, right, where Thatcher Demko has a three-game ailment, mm. right? So, like, a, you know, a tweak, a sprain, something that, you know, it's not going to keep him out a long time. It's probably this team's most important single player, but it's going to be three games, so no LTI possibility. I, I mean, it, it, unless this club carves out breathing room, you're probably going to be in a position where, you know, you're either emergency recalling Shilovs, or, or you know, you're doing the old sign a guy from UBC to the Chris Lebeck thing. Yeah. So I mean, and that's just one possible permutation. It, it goes on and on. It, you know, if the Canucks can't find some additional breathing room, given how this is all played out, given Mikheyev being close, right, not too far away, right, like the the fact that it's sort of played out in a way where none of their none of the additional bodies are on LTI, and they also added Lafferty's salary right before the season. I mean, there are, it's going to be such a slog. It's going to be such a slog to get this right. Uh, Kevin texts in, and I think this is probably a good thing just to uh, clear up or or speak to for a lot of our listeners. In terms of emergency recall, I hear them talking about the flu over and over. Do they have to prove it to the league that this is the case? And I, I, I... Maybe just uh, if you could kind of clarify how emergency recall works and, like, w- well, you how just, the Canucks are positioning yeah, themselves you have here. To, you have to fall beneath 12 healthy forwards, 6 healthy defensemen, or 2 healthy goaltenders mm. to use it, right? So you can't use it because you're with 21 men. You you really have to – you need it to flesh out your roster. To um, dress 18 skaters or yeah. 20 guys, basically. But, yeah. but, you, but it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card because you're capped out. Right. You know, like it's not a, it's you, you can't necessarily just use it for a guy who's who like could go on IR and free up that roster spot, right? Right. So right. that's that's where you sort of, um, you know, uh, that, certainly the way that they're just refusing to update Brisebois' status, I find very interesting. All of which, by the way, also obscures that Brisebois making this team should be a really cool story mm, for him, for sure. Like he yeah. was drafted in 2015. This he is, is the first year, just by a hair. I guess Brock Besser is the longest tenured Canuck now because he was yeah. drafted in round one. Right. But Guillaume Brees was second. Or, or I guess Demko was drafted. Demko was drafted in 2014. Year. That's fair. But, That's but, fair. I mean, you know, this is a guy who stuck around on, like, low AHL salaries. He wanted to be here. Um, the team wanted him around just because he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, even if it's just on paper, the fact that he made the team's opening day roster should be an awesome story. And instead it's like, what's his status? Is he here today? Uh, I will say the thing about Breezebois that always impresses me, too, is, of course, drafted under early in the Jim Benning regime. And 
being able to impress a new regime and a whole new coaching staff to the point where you are getting an NHL shot, that always stands out to me because it's so easy, especially if you're not even like a former first-round guy, right? Like I think he was a third-round pick, never really popped, didn't really break through, didn't really sustain his status as a prospect. It's so easy for a new management group to come in and kind of move on from those players. And I think for him to, as you said, just by virtue of working hard, being a good dude, all those things, for him to earn the trust of a new management group in that position uh, is really impressive. And honestly, hopefully that uh, hopefully he um, is able to get back on the ice and healthy and, and in games here sooner rather than later. We also had a um, we also had a uh, note that um, you know about the test that management's going to face, and they will pass that test, Drance, because guess what? This isn't Jim Benning anymore, bud. And then adds, LOL. And the thing is, the thing is, is that it's not about. Like, it's not about their skill and dexterity managing it day to day. It's about raw luck, right? It's about yeah. the injuries at this point. Like, it's, you, you know, Julian Brisebois and Brandon Pridham and Lawrence Gilman sitting together at a table could fail the test, depending on when your guys get hurt and for how long, right? Like, there's, there's things outside of your control. We're talking about injuries and the length of those injuries in a – incomparably fast-paced well, yeah, collision if Car- sport. If Carson Soucy hadn't gotten banged up, we wouldn't really be having this conversation no. right now. We no. might be talking about Brisebois a little bit, but if Carson Soucy was good to go, we'd know who the six defensemen are going to be. Totally. There, this wouldn't really be a talking point, but it's just one of those things that comes up through circumstances completely out of your control. Or if they hadn't added Lafferty, right, mm. and then Brisebois had opened the season on SOIR, right, and, and Soucy hadn't gotten – like. The, the, there's a confluence of factors, including the opportunities that arise that you feel you can't miss, like trading for Lafferty, which is something this organization felt they really needed to do. So, you know, it's not about skill. It's not. Will Drancer finally admit he was wrong about Garland is another text coming in, and I've, I'm getting that on my DMs. I think Garland's good. I think Garland's a good player, and I think Garland will be a good player wherever he goes next. And by the way, you know where he's probably going to go next? Here! Yes. Here. Yeah, he's probably going to be here. He's probably going to be here. And he's probably going to play well. Yeah, and we it is worth diving into the Garland thing because it is surprising kind of at this point of the season for to hear about it. And I think especially considering that, you know, with Rick Tockett here, Garland got plenty of opportunity, played well under Rick Tockett down the stretch. I would think, you know, he's skating on the first line today at practice with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. You know, does that last when Mikheyev's back? I don't know. But it's not like he's been short on opportunities. And I'm not saying in, like, he's being ungrateful by asking for a trade or anything. I think it's just made it a little bit more surprising to me because it's not as if, oh, new coach comes in, I get knocked down the lineup, okay, I'd like to explore a trade. Like, he figures to get opportunities to be a productive player here. Oh, absolutely. And there is a really close relationship with him and Rick Tockett, despite the fact that uh, this has come to this. Uh, Another text comes in, by the way, who really cares there will be 20 players on the bench for tomorrow's game? You know what? 20 players dressing in an NHL lineup is not guaranteed. No. Teams do play short. Yep. Teams do play short, and when you're pressed up against it, that's part of the risk you run. Now, we we see it all the time. Like, Vegas does it routinely. Toronto's done it on occasion. Like, we do see it happen. It's just we don't often see it happen with teams that are, you know, plus 140 or plus 115 to make the playoffs like the Canucks are. And to start the season. 
Typically, this is like when an injuries pile up later in the yeah, season. Yeah, or there's might get it a week in, though. It's teams, That's teams, true. teams, guys can get banged up pretty quickly. NHL teams have made the determination that they are going to spend on their stars and patch together their depth. And then add at the deadline. Like, that's that's how every team is operating. And by the way, that's how they should be operating in a hard cap system. So, uh, you know, the Canucks aren't unique there by any means, right? I, I did think it was interesting uh, what Alvin had to say about the Lafferty move. And in particular, kind of citing, you know, we talked about this yesterday a little bit, right? But citing his conversations with the coaches and just that the real kind of intent or keen sense that the team needs to get bigger and tougher and bring some of those physical uh, characteristics. But he also, I thought he, he cited kind of directly some of the performance in the preseason and maybe some of the, the, the places where the coaching staff has been unhappy with how the team has performed in the preseason with a reason to bring uh, Sam Lafferty in. I thought that was really interesting and you know, not a, like a full throated blasting the team or anything like that, but just like, yeah, you know, we're seeing some things that, we don't love, and we think this is a guy who can help us uh, address them. Well, and Lafferty ended up playing today with um, Hoaglander and Mikheyev, with Mikheyev appearing to be like a fill-in, probably for Lafferty, with Bluger being mm-hmm. in the middle, presuming that Bluger is able to go tomorrow, which, given that he's now missed two consecutive practices, I think is worth at least approaching with some skepticism, although I'd expect him to play based on everything the team has said. So... Uh, you know, that'll be fascinating, too, is exactly how they line up up front um, and Bluger's status for tomorrow. In regards, though, to um, in regards, though, to Lafferty, I'm really curious to see how quickly he ends up on the third line or what the line would have looked like if Bluger had had if skated Bluger was today. healthy today. Yeah. Um, additionally, you know, I would expect Pod Colson to get swapped out for Amon. Once we get to the other side of right um, tomorrow, right after today, after the first day of cap accounting, the club can reassign players again. Well, Pod Colson wasn't even on the ice yeah. in practice today, so it looks like a purely it's as a we paper expected, a purely paper transaction, yeah. right? So that, and, but, that's but not something that will last. But he can't be reassigned today. He right. You, you can recall players if you put a guy on LTI or whatever, but you can't reassign a guy today. So Pod Colson, I would expect to be reassigned tomorrow, and and one would think, uh, well, you know what? I guess that's where some cap space too uh, you could use Hirose from that if you couldn't get emergency conditions mm. that would be the other option available to them a um, couple of texts coming in here this one from Owen think there's something the Canucks could do with Columbus for one of the right defensemen they have extra and Garland uh, somebody else texting in heard that Columbus wants to trade <laughs> although if a Bluger D-man. can't go so if Blu- sorry okay. I'm just like working right. through this if Bluger can't go then you'd need him on to play yeah, because if, if Bluger wasn't healthy, you'd only have – and McKayev. If Bluger you, and McKayev weren't healthy – You'd only have 11 healthy you could, forwards. You, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really tough. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see how they line up at uh, morning skate tomorrow and who they actually get uh, on the ice tomorrow as well. But, but anyways – By the way, we completely have not touched on the Pedersen commentary. Oh, yeah, we should get into me. that. We yeah. absolutely should. I just thought it was a, a, an honest moment from him where he's like, I would be thrilled to get him signed. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he sort of said that he hadn't heard about the mm-hmm. – and he was just like, yeah, I want him signed. And I think it's important that he said that personally. I also think it's interesting – you know, the, the whole episode for me is only really interesting as an indication that the club didn't take another run at it before right. the season. That to me is the is the only important data point. The rest of it is just like, 
you know, even even criticizing not taking another run at it using the pressure point of the start of the season, to me, it's like, I've covered enough hockey negotiations to know that when both sides tell you things are going badly and the sledding is tough, that means a deal might come pretty quick. <laughs> you know, like yeah, 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 I've, yeah. I've covered enough deals where it's like they are not close and then the yeah. deal gets done the next day. Yeah, there's really hard feelings between the two sides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't like to I don't like to do the blow by blow analysis or criticize. And, like at the end of the day, what matters is the outcome. Mm. Right. If you're staring someone down in a negotiation, it can look really harsh. You can do the fake walk away. But what what determines whether your move was right is whether or not they come back, whether you get the price you want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, the Canucks might be playing some hardball, and that may benefit them, right? Like, there were moments in the negotiation that kept the Sedin twins here at $6.1 where it looked extremely dicey, and yet the outcome was the perfect one for the team, right? Didn't just lock them up, but also helped get Luongo and Kessler done at, at below market uh, value as well. So... You know, I'm not super interested in, in backseat driving the limited information we have based on the limited information we have or, or, or diving too critically into the state of things. But I do think it's notable that talks haven't heated up at this time, especially given how many other contracts we've seen done for similar players. And I will say, as much, I think sometimes I've been a little skeptical of the, you know, the whole we have two years thing, right? And that hasn't just come from the Canucks, but, like, other people talking about it. Oh, well, you know, he's not he's not even a UFA for two more years, so they have so much time and they can be patient. And obviously that's true from a technical sense, but we've also seen how RFAs with just one year of RFA left can really call their shot. But I do think it, it, it is obviously different with him as a pending RFA as opposed to a pending UFA, right? If he was a pending UFA in this situation, you're so close to being able to talk to whoever you want and just get that deal on the open market. So I do think like that is an important thing to keep in mind. As much as two years is maybe stretching it a little bit, it's not as if they're looking at their leverage evaporating once they get past the trade deadline here, right? They do still have leverage and things they can do uh, if it gets to the summer with Elias Pettersson. And yeah, as you said, the update from Patrick Alvin, him saying uh, very, very uh, forthrightly that he would have been thrilled to have Pettersson signed by this point of the year, which of course he is. Pettersson's yeah. a great player. You want to sign your number one franchise 25-year-old center who just scored 100 points. Well, yeah, the, no kidding. When the Pedersen preoccupation... The, the Petter, that sounds like a born identity. <laughs> the Pedersen... A Robert Ludlum novel. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Redford stars in the Pedersen preoccupation. No, when the Pedersen preoccupation began, which was like a long time ago, mm -hmm. right? What'll it, what will it look like? You know, I kept talking, we kept talking about all of the different le levers that a team has in their favor to retain a player. And one of the most powerful ones is a full 24 months before they're a available to hit unrestricted free agency, you can present them. You can with, give them um, a massive deal. Like, like yeah. hey, how about some generational wealth yeah. and stability? And we sort of passed that one lever this summer, right? And Pedersen effectively said, I'd prefer to wait until after the year. And, you know, again, this data point tells us that we passed one more of those levers, which is, hey, before you start to risk your health playing in an NHL environment, which is extremely dangerous, right, um, we can give you security. The team didn't necessarily push. That's it. That's where we're at. And there's still a ton of time. There's still a ton of levers to push. Yep. There's, you know qualifying offer deadline there's arbitration rights there's after the season discussing things there's the possibility that this season is a snow day for vancouver yep. right and everything goes great 
And, you know, Pedersen's stoked to be the face of a franchise that's on the rise. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can play out between now and then and all sorts of levers that the club can push. But we have sort of hurtled over a couple of milestones without a deal getting done. And that's notable um, and notable in context. Like, don't I I don't think the fear mongering or hand wringing is useful, but I, I do think it's at least worth noting that, you know, two of the club's sort of most most powerful pressure points have now uh, effectively lapsed here as we go into the season. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. As I mentioned, a couple of people texting in about uh, Columbus, and I know there was the report from Frank Zaravalli that they were exploring or would be interested in moving a surplus defenseman. They do have some right-shot defensemen on their roster, but could at least be plausible candidates, and people bringing that up in relation to Connor Garland. and Sorry, a Columbus? Columbus, yeah. I mean, I, look – there have been talks between the two teams in the past on Garland, and you know, I, I think if there was significant interest, that would be done already. Yeah, and so, I think I even just like without any sort of insider knowledge here, I mean, Yarmo Kekalainen hired Mike Babcock. Like to me, not that he, uh, the GM would never then pursue a small, undersized player like Connor Garland, but like he obviously has a particular vision for how he wants that team. Well, and think, yeah, think he signed Johnny Gaudreau, but I don't know if Connor Garland's going to check a lot of the boxes that Yarmo is interested in. Think about the identity of the last really good team that Yarmo Kekalainen built. Um, you know, Boone Jenner and Josh Anderson yeah. and on and on. I mean, uh, you know, they've already got Gaudreau. I, I, I find it difficult to imagine that they'd add or be aggressively looking to add uh, another undersized winger. And then about that's before you even get into the cost, right? Like, yeah, I mean, if, if Andrew Peak was on the market, that's an interesting name for the Canucks. Three more years, 2.75, right shot defense by yeah, 2025. The, the team already missed out on the Peak roslovic package yeah, by did. trading Bo Horvat. <laughs> they did. It's true. <laughs> um, but I just I, – Wow, that's it, such a deep cut for, like, the real Canucks, Canucks talk, talk heads. Um, it's just that you're going to run into that problem a lot when you're exploring – the possibility of Connor Garland trades here, right? Is, oh, that could be an interesting fit if Connor Garland wasn't making basically $5 million or if the Canucks were willing to retain money to the point yeah. where the money was dollars well, in, dollars and, out, right? And the, here's the other thing. Like, we dealt with this last year throughout the entire season with Brock Besser. Mm-hmm. Brock Besser's agent, Ben Hankinson of Octagon Sports, had permission to seek a trade for Brock Besser for, like, six months. And it didn't transpire it didn't come to pass um and part of the issue was that teams like brock besser at four million they're not so fond of acquiring him for Mm 6.65 well i guarantee you there'd be teams that would have interest in connor garland at three million but at five million yep it's a little tough and of course from the canucks perspective maybe there's stylistic things they don't like about the players but the main drive to trade the players is about cap flexibility Right. You know what I mean? So it's like once you once it becomes a dollar in, dollar out thing and you're not actually getting cap flexibility, it's like, well, how motivated are we to move these guys? Like, Connor Garland's going to be an important player for them. Brock Besser's in their top six. You know what I mean? You can't just look at this as – and I don't think the Canucks would be looking at it as, like, addition by subtraction or anything like that. If you could clear meaningful cap space, sure, it's something that becomes interesting. But beyond that, I mean, these are guys who are going to play important roles for your team. And, like – Let's say they did trade Connor Garland for a defenseman, right? We're already talking about depth scoring concerns for this team. And I think Connor Garland, and 
he's the guy I'm most confident about filling that role. As a depth scorer, you can move up and down the lineup. If he's out of the picture, that becomes a major concern. Well, let's 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 do a real time example. How confident are you in a line of Pew Suter, Anthony Beauvillier, and Dakota Joshua? To score, not very. To, to be effective in in, a th- in third line minutes, like I don't think it's out of the possibility, but I don't I'm think they're going to light the world confidence. on fire. I'm asking confidence? for confidence. I would say like below average confidence. Yeah, yeah. Now replace Beauvillier with Garland. Yeah, I'm a lot more confident. <laughs> I think that works. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I legitimately think the thing about Garland is I don't think he can drive a top line. No. Um, I think he struggles to complement some types of puck-dominant centermen, and unfortunately the Canucks have two players that match that description as their top two centermen. But I think he can drive a third line. Like, outright, I think he can drive a third line. Yeah. So, yeah, look, it's going to be a fascinating dynamic to watch the Canucks navigate. And, of course, you know, go go check it out. Go check out capfriendly.com's main page and tell me how many teams can even fit Connor Garland's salary. It's three. Teams that could fit. Would be interested, and yeah, the Canucks right. wouldn't have to take money back or wouldn't have to give up a prohibitively expensive and high-value asset to do. Like, again, we, we had this conversation with Brock Besser. Almost by definition, it only gets to this stage if the player is really hard to move. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, eat players with tons of trade value that lots of the teams are lining up to take and give you something good for. The agent doesn't have to pound the pavement looking for a trade because you can just find the trade. It only happens in this situation. Well, and it's even things like, I, you know, Buffalo has cap space and might want to win and an analytics-friendly front mm. office that might value Garland, but are they going to be after a player like Garland when they're breaking in Zach Benson? Mm. You know, like, even the even the teams that you could, like, at least make somewhat of a case for wouldn't make a ton of sense. Um, you know, and, and so then you get to things like if you retained and gave the Flyers a pick, could you do Sean Walker for Garland? And it's like maybe saves you a million dollars against the cap. Yeah. And would that be worth doing? I don't, I don't, I just don't see the logic of that. And again, well, it gets you. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, no, is, that re- just, is that really? Making I was going to make better? the argument, but I, I'm not going. To. Is that making the team better? No. I don't think so. And no, I think not. this team is pretty clearly like their priority is being good right now, is being good for the next two weeks, is being good for the next six months, and trying to make the playoffs. So I think the Garland thing. I think to put a bow on the Garland thing, we've been down this road before with Besser. I, I'm sure it is a tough thing to deal with as a player, especially in this market. Canucks room is going to open shortly if it isn't open already. I'd imagine Garland will talk, um, or he won't talk, and that's interesting in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, like this is a guy who wants to win. This is a professional hockey player. This is a guy who's worked from you know being undrafted the first time through, um, drafted in the fifth round the second time, spent time in the American League, has gotten to the NHL. Like this guy's going to come to the rink and compete. Regardless of what rumors are around him, you know, th- if you were if you were to rate which Canucks players I'm least worried about being surrounded by controversy in terms of it impacting their performance, Garland might rank in the top five. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think this guy is just a professional hockey player. He loves the game. He works hard. I think we're going to get the same Garland regardless of what rumors are around. And I think this is a situation. I mean, we'll see. We'll I also, see. It, it's one that could play out for a long time. The sense I always get from Garland, you know how players always say that they don't pay any attention to social media or anything, but a lot of them do. Actually, I, I, I think Garland does not. Like that's the vibe I get. Well, he at least, left. Is that he's he even just left like, Twitter. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's just like, I'm, I, it's not even that I have to shut it out because I'm not exposed to it, right? And I think the other thing with Garland on that point is, 
it's not as if this is like coming out of nowhere, but all of a sudden there's uncertainty about his Canucks future. Like he knows, he knows the score. He knows the team has talked yep. to other teams about trading him. Like that, that's been a possibility for years. Yeah. And he's still he played really well under talk. It worked really hard at this training camp. So I like this changes something in that it's public now and he will have to speak to it, but I don't think it changes the internal dynamics no. and how Connor Garland views his situation here all that much. We know that he's been a trade candidate. How many, how many times have we talked about the Besser Garland trade candidates trade watch, right? Like we've talked about it a lot. He knows that and he's been able to produce and play well despite it. So I don't think it's going to torpedo uh, no. his ability to, to produce or, uh, or, or be a player uh, for this team. And somebody texted in, does this mean Garland wants out or that the Canucks want to trade him? And I mean, the news today from Friedman is that Garland's agent has permission to go seek out a trade. But again, as I was just saying, we know this is a mutual thing or has been a mutual thing. That the Canucks, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column that B. That the Canucks have explored <laughs> trading Connor Garland. So it, it's very, very similar to the Brock Besser situation. Like very, very similar where it's like, yeah, we've talked to, teams about trading you haven't had any success you go and see if you could have <laughs> any success but it is kind of mutual uh, uh, at this and point. it is tough that it gets out you know like it's, yep. it's tough that this team has been in this spot multiple times over the last year and that each time it seems to get out very quickly um you know that uh, th- that's got to be upsetting to Canucks management yeah and it's not ideal probably for the players and I, I can't imagine it does uh, a lot to help the situation in terms of leverage on the trade market either no. when it's out there no it's uh, it, so publicly it's um y- you know you'd, you'd hope you'd hope for a little bit more discretion and respect from potential trade partners uh we are going to uh, take a break here as you mentioned Canucks should be speaking to the media pretty shortly here we're gonna have Ian McIntyre on at some point I know he has to be there at availability so we'll see it might be next segment might be the final segment but we'll get iMac on at some point lots more Canucks talk coming up here on Sportsnet 650 Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the mobile Kintech studio here at Rogers Arena. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit. At Kintech.net, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Lots going on today. Uh, Did see that Connor Garland spoke to the media uh, after the Canucks practiced here at Rogers Arena. Of course, Garland, subject to the report from Elliot Friedman earlier today that uh, his new agent has permission to seek a trade with other teams. And we'll play the Garland audio for you at some point so you can hear in his words and, you know, in full context uh, how he responded to the questions. But here's the tweet from Randy Janda, who was in the room. Uh, Garland says he's focused on hockey. Quote, I'm excited to play in a Canadian market. Says it's his agent's job to focus on. He doesn't share his thoughts on the report. 
but does say he switched agents in the last 48 hours. And again, we'll we'll hear the full in context quotes from Connor Garland, but I guarantee you he handled it professionally. Well, exactly. That's what I was just going to say, didn't, right? Like, didn't just wasn't wasn't dishonest in the least and didn't deny rumors, but let's hear it from iMac directly. Yeah, we uh we are now pleased to be joined by uh, SportsNet's Canucks insider Ian McIntyre. Uh Ian, lots going on today. Thanks for making time to chat with us. We appreciate it. Yes, yes. The peace and quiet was nice while it lasted. And it was. We, we we almost made it to game one <laughs> yeah, without, without the drama that we've so accustomed to. And and Thomas, you'll get a kick out of this. You understand what planning newsroom planning can be like. So you know, Patrick Alvine is available to us, and that doesn't happen all that often. And uh, we make a decision. Let's prioritize Alvine today. And so I'm. Was in the middle of writing a Patrick Alvin story when uh, <laughs> Elliot dropped his news bomb, and my my boss uh, wondered, "Well, can we switch directions?" And I said, "Sure, except I'm not there anymore." But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> two days in a row, our guy, our colleague uh, Elliot Friedman, dropping uh, dropping Canucks bombs. He's got to, he's got to spread them out a little bit more for us here. But uh, yeah, we'll start a big we'll... week for Elliot. Yeah, big week for Elliot. We'll start with the uh, the most recent report, and you might have heard us just talking a little bit about uh, the quotes we're seeing. We haven't had a chance to listen to it from Connor Garland yet, but how he responded uh, to to the reports and being asked about the reports. What was your reaction to the news again, per Elliot Friedman, that uh, Connor Garland's new agent has permission to seek out a trade and find a better fit for his client? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, boom, <laughs> you know it's. <laughs> It it uh, gets everybody's attention, and and um, you know Elliot is is pretty he's, he's got a pretty good batting average. So if Elliot's reporting it, you know, there's uh, truth to it. Um, and I think you know I would I would guess that the agent wanted this to get out there, and so it becomes this you know public spectacle and puts pressure on the Canucks to do something. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised no. that Connor uh, might not be happy in, in Vancouver. Uh, I didn't know though that he would be unhappy to the extent where he would be, you know, working, working uh, actively to try to get, uh, try to get out. If, if in fact that's what's going on. And the reason I'm a, I'd be a little bit surprised is because, you know, he's, he's got a history with Rick Tockett and he seems to uh, have embraced the change here uh, the, and what the Canucks are trying to do as a team. Uh, so that part surprises me a bit. But the reason that, you know, I'm not surprised he'd be a little unhappy is he's never, he's never really had the five-star role here. Right. There's always there's always uh, players ahead of him, and and even this year, uh, you know, he comes to to training camp and and talk it uh, made it clear he wanted certain pairs, and and uh, Garland's pairing partner is Pew Suter uh, on the third line. Uh, he hasn't had much first unit power play, and so I, I can see. And on top of that. Uh, what what a uh, circus he has seen here in two years, Connor Gartling. He's had he's had three coaches 
he's had the constant drama. You know, he's he's he said to me uh, one time last year when we were talking about you know all the noise in the market. Um, he said it, it seemed like as soon as he signed his five-year contract, the trade rumor started. About <laughs> you know he he didn't even have a chance to to play or cause or do anything to start the trade rumors, but they they kind of began uh, as soon as he arrived. So I can see that that uh, wears on somebody uh, after a while, especially if they're not from here. And uh, you know we'll see where we'll see where it goes. I, I would say though, you know the bottom line is. Uh, I don't think teams are interested in Connor Garland at 4.95 million at, at this point. Now I could, I could be wrong, but uh, I think like a lot of things, it's probably in both sides interest if he just, you know, puts his head down and plays well. And again, we're talking now uh, as if, you know, this, you know, this has merit. And, and again, Elliot Friedman's batting average is pretty good, but uh we don't know for sure. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, and, and in addition to Friedman, of course, Garland speaking with the media didn't deny the reports. Um, ben Kuzma got a quote from Jim Rutherford saying he won't comment on it, but no denial. So at least both sides have also issued non-denials at this point, adding sort of heft to it. I'm at, about a week ago, Garland got elevated to Pedersen's line, somewhere where he barely played last season. I mean... I think Pedersen had 10 more frequent forward line mates than Connor Garland last year. It seemed pointed that they didn't play together. And all of a sudden, Garland in a showcase spot. Uh, Do you read anything into that in the wake of what we've learned today or at least what was reported today? Uh, Not too much, Thomas, to be honest, because I think, you know, they've had had a variety of placeholders in Ilya Mikheyev's spot. Mm. And uh, I, I think I think it was more or less Connor's turn, and, and you know it is maybe a, a little bit of a carrot. Well, uh, you know you've been asking for this, so let's see how you do. But I just think, you know, if you go back to Niels Hoglander starting training camp there, I don't think anyone thought that Niels Hoglander was going to start the season there, and and he didn't. He played his way backwards in the lineup, and they've they've had different combinations there. So I saw it more as a trial, but I think. I think for a player like Garland, who, uh, let's remember, was brought to this organization by the previous regime and made whatever promises, uh, or let's put it this way, the vision expressed to him when he agreed to sign a five-year contract has probably changed with this new regime and, and their ideas about how the team, how the team will be built. So, I, I think that Connor's experience as a Canuck has been dramatically different than what he thought it w- was going to be when that trade was made with Arizona two years ago. With Niels Hoaglander, as you say, working his way back, the Sam Lafferty trade, the Casey DeSmith trade, are, are you surprised at all that the Canucks have made multiple deals to sort of bolster the bottom end of their lineup as opposed to considering waiver claims or, or doing things without necessarily adding to the outflow of assets from this organization? Yeah, uh, well, not really, because I, I think we know, I think we know by now, Thomas, that 
that Patrick Alvine and, and Jim Rutherford are, are, are trying to make the playoffs and trying to win enough games now to, to, to be successful, whatever successful is they're trying to, they're trying to win games now. So it, it doesn't surprise me. I think each trade, uh, to me, you have to sort of look at it in isolation, say, was it worth it? But collectively, there are, there are, you're right. And I know that, I know that this has upset you as well, that there has been a lot of assets. There have been a lot of assets uh, leave the organization, not just this regime, the previous regime as well, and, and over, over many years. And I think we all agree that that's partly why their, their talent pipeline has been so, so barren. And, and even now, uh, although they've done a really good job, I think, of, of finding value in free agents and getting guys to come here who at least are prospects. You know, I don't know if Akito Hiroshi is going to be an NHL player, but right now he's a, he's a good prospect. Uh, and maybe maybe he'll be in the opening night lineup. We'll see. <laughs> um, you know, and and there are other guys, McWard, uh, of course, and Amon last year, and they've got Philip Johansson here now, and he hasn't really shown anything yet, but you know was was a guy that a lot of teams were after. Even though they've done a good job of of basically uh, producing some volume in terms of the prospects pool. They they still lack, you know those those five star guys. Yeah. You know the blue chip guys that you can just sort of project. This guy is going to play in the NHL, and he is going to be this kind of player when he gets there. They don't have they don't have those sure bets. And so when whenever you trade draft picks, I, I think you have to be wary of it. But to your original point, I I think they. They saw this, and especially after Talkit took over, and Talkit got a look at the team. And how often last year did we hear Talkit talk about wall guys mm-hmm. and getting to the net? And and so when you know you get Bluger, I mean, I don't think Suter is necessarily a wall guy, but he's a pretty well-rounded, handy center to have. Yep. And I know that's a free agent sign, and that's not a trade. But when you look at you know the guys that they've brought in, uh, Bluger and now Lafferty, yesterday, uh, Cole and and Susie on defense. I mean there is there is a lot more grit uh, to them, and so you know it doesn't surprise me that in that respect they've gone out and they've got guys that between Alvine and Talkett they just decided that they needed to address these these areas, and that's what they've done. I, I actually like uh, the goalie trade because I think they were in a bit of a bind mm. without without a backup goalie. Mac, the, the thing, it, it, I want to be clear, it doesn't upset me so much as I cannot understand it. Like, it's one of those things where I just cannot understand it. And so l- let me just give you a, a, an example of why and get your reaction to it. Because You sound upset. I'm just no, saying. <laughs> You know me though. You know me though, Mac. I'm upset when I'm talking about like Josh McDaniels play calling randomly at 2 p.m. Like I'm okay. I'm perpetually I'm perpetually aggrieved in a way that's not you know actually a grievance. Um, in terms of in terms of so I, this always happens though. Like the Canucks will make a series of trades, for example, and then I'll just check and I'll be like, I wonder if other teams are trading draft picks at this time of year, and no one else has. Like no one else since training camp opened has made a trade involving picks 
sending picks out except the Canucks who've made two of them. And it just feels to me like it's always that. It's like no other team at the uh, deadline has lost pick value <laughs> except the Canucks who are, who are in and around there. Like this team, is, it feels to me, is just insistent on carving their own path through this, and I, I just don't see what the case for that is given their lack of success over the last decade. What's your reaction to the fact that other teams are just making waiver claims if they're making moves at all, and the Canucks are paying for bottom-of-the-roster upgrades? Yeah, well, first of all, in someone like Lafferty, so we don't know that somebody else wouldn't have given them a draft, you know, because I'm sure Toronto made it known, hey, this is a guy we probably aren't going to protect. Mm can we get something rather than nothing? So Toronto gets a fifth-round pick. It's probably, you know, in isolation. They maybe probably got other what, bidders. Yeah. Maybe less than what Lafferty would be worth in, in other circumstances. But I, I, I just think that, uh, again, you know, it's pretty clear what what Alvin and, and Rutherford are trying to do and how, they, and how they build this team. It's also clear, you know, that, that your vision of how a team should be built is very different than their vision about how, how a team should be built. But this is, this is the way, you know, this is the way they're doing it. I'm not surprised. But not just me, every other team, Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Every other team, everyone else. Yeah. I don't cover the other teams. I don't, I'm not on an Island. I cover, (laughs) I cover, I cover this team. And from what I've seen, I'm just saying, it doesn't. It doesn't surprise you. I mean, are you surprised by it? Are you surprised by it? I. I am always surprised by it. Yes. Oh, I'm always okay. surprised by it because it's so outside of how everyone right. else does it. Yeah. I am. I honestly well, am. I, you, I will. Yeah, you, I have well, not, not lost wrong. my ability to be shocked. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong in that respect. Um, hey, this this feels like a bit of an outdated question now, given uh, the events of the last 24 hours or so. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were all talking about what kind of a quiet and, and drama-free preseason and training camp it's been for the Canucks, iMac. And I did just want to get, you know, your perspective on, from from your point of view, you know, watching all the practices and the games, talking to the players and the coaches, what really stood out about what was different from this preseason and training camp compared, compared to some of the uh, recent previous years? Well, there was there was an an ordinate amount of instruction. There was mm. a lot of hockey 101. Although, of course, it wasn't 101. It was probably like a 400 level yeah. course. But there was a lot of instruction, a lot of detail, a lot of systems work. Uh, I, I think, and, and we could see that from day one of training camp in Victoria that this that this was going to be the priority uh, for Talkit. There was one scrimmage in four days in Victoria uh, because he wanted to use the time to teach. So I think in, in that respect, and, you know, it's always dangerous to read things into preseason games, partly because we know they mean nothing, but also even if they meant something, it's such a small sample to base it on. But, it seems there was a progression towards the end of camp and certainly the the game they had on Friday against Calgary mm. where each team dressed pretty much its NHL lineup with a, a couple of exceptions. Um, you know, it seemed like the Canucks have fully embraced this idea now and understand this idea now of how, how Rick Tockett wants them to play. So in that respect, I think that the training camp and preseason they got out of it what they wanted to get out of it. Uh, the coaching staff 
and management. As for the calm, I think <laughs> the, the shattered calm, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think that was, you know, by design as well. I, I think almost everything that happened um, within the organization from decisions made by by the management and the coaching offices from the end of last season to this was was intended to clear the decks of whatever emotional baggage whatever issues whatever noise might arise to try to allow a singular focus on getting ready for game one and that too was a success at least until until today and it'll be interesting to to it would be really interesting to to be able to be in that room and see what their their reaction is i mean if if garland's unhappy teammates would know that but uh there's also been a certain um i would say continuity of thought uh from these guys about getting ready and and putting aside distractions and getting over you know what what uh JT Miller aptly called the crap show, although he didn't use the word crap, but I don't know <laughs> if I can say that S word on the air or not. So I'm just going with crap. You can't. You can't. <laughs> okay. Well, the crap, the crap show that it was. Good judgment. <laughs> yeah, the crap show that it, that it's been. And a lot, the players all, you know, you know, Thomas having covered the team by the time they finally changed coaches last year, people were just exhausted. The players were absolutely worn out mentally. So were we exhausted but the players were were just on empty because of the emotions because of the drama because of the crap show and i think in that respect they all wanted a training camp like this where the focus is simply on on getting ready and there's not the dysfunction there's not the tire fires there's not the constant you know rumors and conjecture about who's coming or going they actually got to prepare as a hockey team and now <laughs> And now all of a sudden it, it feels a lot like uh, the last couple of years with, with this Garland stuff. So it would be interesting to know how that's going over in the dressing room. And I guess we'll see, at least get a glimpse tomorrow night, what effect it has. Because uh, until now, my sense is that everybody was really on board with what was, what was happening, certainly what was talk it was trying to preach. People were buying it. And uh, you know they seem to they seem to finally have traction. I guess that's the mm. word. They seem to finally have a little bit of momentum yeah. going into the season, <laughs> and we'll see whether this has halted that when they play Edmonton tomorrow. Yeah, traction's a great word for it. I did a whole bit on how placid this training camp is yesterday, Mac, and 24 <laughs> hours later, I look I look wise as usual. Um, hey. I wanted to ask you about what I thought was one of the more telling bits from Alvin today, which was his reaction to some commentary from who else? Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast uh, on Monday uh, regarding the idea that, you know, maybe if Pedersen's not gung ho about committing to the Canucks, the Canucks also would have some trepidation and, you know, the follow-up question, Alvin, was phrased something like, and I'll the paraphrasing here, um, you know, it, it, did you think at the start of the summer uh, that you'd be going into the season without Pedersen extended? And quite matter-of-factly, I thought Alvin said, I would love to have him signed. <laughs> like, that would be great. Yeah. Um, what did you make of that, especially in the wake of 
where that discussion has gone over the past 24 hours? Well, I have heard that myself, and I've actually put it in print uh, a couple of times, not not as a focal point of a story, but I've mentioned that, you know, this this idea of waiting is a two-way street. And, and actually, you know, Pat Brisson said the same thing to me, that both sides will be able to evaluate here as, as they wait on, on PD to decide what he wants to do. And, and I think that it just has to do with, um, you know, something that Thatcher Demko told me before training camp, that this could be the last chance for this group. You know, they've, all, they've been together for several years now. Uh, they're not old, although JT Miller's now 30. They're not old, but they're not young anymore. I know the captain's only 23 years old, but Quinn Hughes is is starting his fifth season. Um, and Demko said, you know, at some point you you have to you have to win. And and this, you know, he used the phrase "do or die," which we all cringe at, you know, nowadays. But you know, he he thinks this is really a, kind of a referendum season. That's my word, not Thatcher's, for this particular group. And and obviously, Pedersen is is at the front of that group so part of it i think is is sort of a team ideology like we've they've had this group for a few years now and they've had a lot of um individual success and and impressive individual achievement and the team has done has done nothing so now it's time for the team to do something but honestly part of me part of me the the cynic in me thinks well you know, if, if the Canucks want to get a deal done and Pedersen wants to wait, well, maybe they can say, yeah, well, we want to wait too. Yeah. So they don't they don't look so eager. Uh, and maybe it, it helps in negotiations, although we all know that Pedersen's going to make a bundle. And, and honestly, I, I don't think this particular case, this com- particular standoff, if that's what this is, 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 about, is about money. But it's easy for the, for the Canucks to intimate that well yeah they have some concerns as, as well and they want to wait but i think if pat brisson called patrick alvin tomorrow and said yeah it's time let's get something done i think it could be signed by the end of the week yeah i'm not sure the canucks would be the ones holding back in that situation as you yeah. laid out imac uh imac really appreciate the time as we mentioned i know a busy day lots going on so thanks for uh, taking some time to chat with us uh game one tomorrow can't wait and uh, hopefully we can chat again soon who knows what tomorrow brings but it, yes. turns out there was a, it turns out there was a lot to talk about i had this fear that it would just be capology and, and roster construction that that Drance was talking about today and the salary cap and don't worry he did that too happen. i was excited yeah. for that <laughs> that's like christmas for you isn't it yeah it is it really is i love yesterday oh <laughs> thanks i mac enjoy the rest of your day see you guys that is Ian McIntyre, and uh, this insider brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. See, we got to have iMac on more because we share a sponsor. That's Both true. sponsored by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. There it's a go. natural alliance. The best. Yeah, it's a natural alliance. <laughs> and, and, and also, and also I, love to, I love to do um, – I love to do my, like <laughs> – can you explain this to me? <laughs> Mac, so I Mac has such like a gentle hand with you. you know oh, I know it's so good. Like, 
<laughs> sort of like a teacher dealing with like an unruly student or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's the natural dynamic too. It's <laughs> great. Uh, by the way, we you coined uh, the Pedersen preoccupation. And yeah, yeah. It's been, iMac dropped another like great uh, like spy thriller uh, novel title there, The Shattered Calm. <laughs> so we're turning him out. I love that. The Shattered, the shattered calm. calm coming to theaters this November. I, I, I just want to say it feels similar because we've been down this road before, but also like I just don't I don't think this one registers the same way. And the Pedersen stuff was already baked in. Yeah, I and I do. I, I, I like at the end of the day, as much as as much fun as it is to be like, and within 24 hours, yes. the calm was shattered. And and by the way, I think that's fair. I also do think we might be overfitting. Well, here's the thing with the on the Garland one. There, I would say a very very good chance we have largely forgotten about it. Like next week. Oh, I don't think we'll have forgotten about but, it. But it's not going to be like a front burner no, issue. No, but if he's playing with Pedersen, it's going to be like, how's the showcase going? Yeah. And like I don't every know. time, I just think every like... time he scores, people are going to be like, the cost of the brick <laughs> went up on Twitter. Like, no, I disagree with you. I don't think it's going to get forgotten. I just don't think it's a distraction of the same magnitude no. that, like, you know, uh, everything that w- that happened last year, like uh, whether it was. Uh, public criticism of the coach, yeah. the 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 it, training camp unrest, uh, charges or not charges, but uh, but troubling allegations in family court. Like last year, it was so much more overwhelming. Yeah. Than than uh, you know uh, uh, some Pedersen commentary from Elliot Friedman and a report that Garland's changed agents and has permission to look for a trade. To me, that is true. Side like to to use circus terminology, that's sideshow stuff, as opposed to being like really shattering distract distracting stuff yeah in in you know in, in a meaningful way i i just have a hard time like if it's not like this is you know demko hughes Pedersen, miller like a top flight of the lineup guy i have a hard time believing that it's going to dominate the discourse around this team in a legitimately distracting way not that it'll go away completely but i think it's the kind of thing that you can kind of register to background noise pretty quickly, depending on how things are going on the ice, which is all, always the ultimate caveat yes. uh, here with the Vancouver <laughs> Win, Canucks. Winning is like magic. It, it is. All troubles go away. Yeah, no. And losing is hell. If it they have, magnifies all issues. If they have 15 points in their first 10 games, nobody's going to be talking about Connor Garland's trade request. No. Like, zero people are going to be talking Correct. about it. Uh, we will take a break here. One final segment coming up. Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. It is Canucks Talk on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Strands, live from the Mobile Kintech studio here at Rogers Arena. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Tune in to the Sportsnet Radio Friday Soccer Report brought to you by Casiero Del Diablo Wines and the Way to Be a Legend contest, the chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime trip to England for the ultimate Manchester United experience, including a chance to play a football game at Old Trafford where Manchester United legends will make an appearance. No purchase necessary. Conditions apply. Must be legal drinking age. Casiero Del Diablo, available at BC Liquor. Please enjoy responsibly. Enter in-store or visit CasieroManchester.com. What's going on, Dresser? 
We are an hour away from puck drop on the 2023 sure season. Yeah, just wanted it's to like great. make sure that people were aware. Yeah, that early the, game on. I like it. Uh, me too. It's the puck cool. drops on Nashville at Tampa Bay. Yeah, bet the over six and a half. Right. At our friends Play Now Sports. <laughs> All right. <laughs> don't actually don't actually ever listen to my gambling <laughs> advice. Um, but do check out Sportsnet.ca. Yeah. Sportsnet. Um, Sportsnet Plus Premium. Mm-hmm. You'll they'll, they'll have the game at 2:30 p.m. today. Hockey, baby. And and uh, Duncan texted a question in about this because also going in game two tonight, of course. Oh, Connor Bedard. Of course, against Sydney against Crosby. Sydney. Crosby. And, <laughs> Have you uh, looked at you know, his first week in the NHL? Oh man, it's it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. And I, I mean, I, welcome I, to the show, the, buddy. The, they're doing a good job of like, and look, it's a layup, right? But like the Crosby Bedard content. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like the, the Bleacher I Report. I am one. not so hard-hearted that I am not like, oh, this is awesome. Sorry, <laughs> when I see it, it's like this is great. The this is great that, stuff. The, did you see the Bleacher Report one where Sidney Crosby was asked to describe what Riz is? Yeah. Oh my God, Sidney <laughs> Crosby. <laughs> Like, come on, man. My uh, – Sidney <laughs> Crosby discussing Riz is, like, everything I've ever wanted. My uh, my daughter's favorite team, other than the Canucks, but maybe even more than the Canucks, is the Penguins because they have a penguin as their yeah, logo. And, like, that's awesome. It's, yep. like, sweet. Um, but I was watching a pre – and they're also she's on all also, the time. She's also a big Kyle Dubas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but they're, they're also on all the time because they appeal to a Canadian market. They're going to miss him in Toronto, Dad. <laughs> they're going to miss him. But um, we were watching one of their preseason games. Did and your daughter sound like that? No. And Cros- <laughs> Crosby did something good. And I was, like, explaining to her about Sidney Crosby and, like, why he's so great. And I was, like, not getting emotional, but I was just, like, getting, like, Canadian pride. I was, like, yeah, this guy's awesome. <laughs> As I was explaining I, the legend of Sidney Crosby I've to her. I've always believed that if – Aliens invaded and society broke down, and we had to like de, de facto follow somebody. Sidney Crosby. Crosby would lead the nation. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, uh, be, it'd be it'd be him or uh, or Kevin Martin. Speak <laughs> the, the curler. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's the most Canadian guy. And like, I literally think he should be on our money. That's so funny. Um, anyway, anyway, Connor Bedard. I don't know if he's gonna score tonight. But I think he's going to hit like six shots on goal mm. and be awesome. Yeah, I I I know I've said this already. I also on think air, he's going to score tonight. I just yeah. didn't want to like um, go all out, all out there. The last number I saw in his goal total was like thirty-one and a half, and I think that's a like a comfortable over for me. Ooh, and again, I agree with you, but man, I just think I don't think it's comfortable. But is he like when was the Austin Matthews last guy to come into the league with anything like his shooting talent? Sure, and he's going to play tons of minutes on power play one. They have just enough talent, credible talent, I think, to surround him on power play one and make it like at least effective. He's gonna shoot a ton. Like the whole the whole season is set up to help him be successful. Okay, but for the Chicago, most, the most accurate shooter because Austin Matthews is next gen Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. He's not an accuracy guy. He's a volume. He's guy. a volume guy. It's yeah. just that like Matthews creates unbelievable scoring opportunities out of nothing and it's such massive copious volume now that's not to say that he can't finish uh, uh, with a, a, At a high immense, level immense ability he can his drag shot we don't have bedard without matthews mm-hmm. like bedard literally watched every matthews goal for years and years started trying out his moves and then developed his own weirder cool thing that's going to change what perimeter scoring looks like in the nhl in my opinion but you know, we don't have – so I'm not – I'm not – but Matthews is a volume guy, fundamentally. The most accurate shooter of my lifetime 
The NHL's foremost sniper is Steven Stamkos. Yes. 23 goals in 79 games in his first year. I just think, but look at what they were doing in junior. Bedard was on a completely different level. He, he was, yes. And I think that's the important context. I that, mean, that's what changes it. Bedard's, Bedard's only comparables in junior are McDavid and Crosby. Yeah. And look what, like, I know. Yeah, for sure. You I, know? I feel you. Look, and I, I think with Stamkos, to me, the difference, the big difference would be, like, Stamkos, it was like a, like, to use an NBA comparison. I mean, like he Stamkos, scored 51 his second year. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like, <laughs> not Stamkos like, is like Ray Allen. Right, where it's like traditional, deadly three-point shooter. Bedard has a chance to be like Steph Curry. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Where it's like, oh, now this is what th- good three-point shooting the, looks the, like. The you Steph, know what I mean? The Steph Curry comp for Bedard is one that people should remember because I think that's, I think that's uh, a very interesting one. Yeah. So, anyways, I would take the over. Look, there's always risk in these things. He's a rookie. I get that. I just think I think the thing that is going to play. There's a lot of other he's things. Gonna, he's going to have like four first period <laughs> goals, and you're going to be like, I told you. <laughs> Should have got that. Should have got that number. Yeah. Uh, the thing, like, I can see him needing to develop in a lot of other areas to like reach that potential. I just think the goal scoring is uh, going to play right away. I've already loved what I've seen. I've already loved what I've seen. And by the way, I'm so glad that I was hyping up this age group of Vancouver players, only to have like Minton Benson also crash the party mm. and make their teams at yeah. the camp. And I mean, look, we'll see if they last in the NHL beyond nine games. They may not, but. I also won't be shocked at all if these guys just keep exceeding expectations on the way yeah. because this is a really special generation of Vancouver-born talent. Yeah, so to the texter's question, uh, predictions on the kid from North Van season, I would predict very, very good things for I, Connor Bedard I, in I, Chicago. I, I think it's going to be a little bit five-on-five. Five. I just think he's going to put up he's going to put up popcorn stats, and I think he's going to be obviously great every time he steps on the ice. And I think the Chicago Blackhawks are now one of like two or three teams in the entire world where you should be watching as often as you can mm. because there's at least a chance that you'll see something you've never seen before. Yep. And it's like who else? Who else crosses crosses that threshold? Yeah, not a lot. Like, like McDavid. I would say McDavid and Tage Thompson. Because mm. I'd I'm, maybe put Makar in there from the blue yeah, line. Okay. Yeah. M- M- yeah. So like four or five teams. Yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm also comfortable putting New Jersey in because. It's very rare that you see an entire team that fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm never yeah. like they play warp speed hockey. So maybe five teams, but that's where the that's the tier that the Blackhawks ex- or the Blackhawks exist in from a watchability perspective in my mind. And um, yeah, I, look, I, I predict fun, I predict goals, I predict success, but I'm not I'm not certain he's going to be the no, five I don't, on five day one. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be like. A, ugh. You know, like a top twenty-four word or anything like that. But I, again, the, the but he might be the situation is there though for him to put up the numbers oh, without yeah. being like a top twenty-four word or something. No uh, like question. That. And then in the late game, we've got a div- Pacific, Pacific division, division battle. Yeah, uh, it's good. I'm I'm so we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but like I've sort of gone back and forth to the forth on this, and I I have settled on the following order for the tier that the Canucks are in. Because I'm convinced that they're in the same tier as the Flames and the Kraken. Okay. But I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna order it going into the season to give everyone an opportunity to tell me I'm wrong later. Yeah. Kraken 4, Vancouver 5, wow. Calgary 6. All right. Interesting. Interesting. For me, and I think we'll we'll do our whole, like, predictions and yada yada tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I, where I'm leaning right now would be, like, Calgary 4 and then really debating – 
Canucks Kraken yep. as like for the final. And, and I still can't get a handle on some of the teams in the Central and how I feel that's going to shake out. The so Winnipeg, I don't want to. The Winnipeg one is the hardest. Yeah, one and like Nashville, and I I don't know. Oh, I, I I I'm high on Nashville. Yeah, I I can't quite get there with them. So I don't know Super like my fair. official playoff predictions and everything because I think I find the Central a little hard. But yeah, I think I'm gonna have Calgary and then really battling between the Kraken uh, and the Canucks just, for that spot. I just don't see enough mobility on that back end, unfortunately. I just don't. Uh, somebody, somebody says that they just laid $1,000 on Bedard at plus 8500 to win the Rocket Richard. At plus 8500 That's what he says. Plus 8500 85 to 1 feels a little rich for Connor Bedard wow. to win the Rocket Richard. Well, I mean, I guess Austin Matthews does exist. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an and interesting And Dreisaitl and... There's a lot of guys you have to jump over, but that is an interesting one. Um, okay, we've been talking about it a lot today. We read you some of the quotes, but uh, as promised, we will hear from Connor Garland. And, I mean, first of all, shout-out to Connor Garland. You know, this this report drops as he's on the ice at practice, and he comes right off and immediately addresses it with the media. As you were saying, Grant, no surprise that he handles it in a very professional way. Here is Connor Garland speaking to the media uh, after Canucks practice here at Rogers Arena today. No, I just um... – well, I'm, I'm just really more focused on just tomorrow's game, Vancouver Canuck, and, um, you know, we put in a lot of work these past uh, couple weeks to get ready. A big test against uh, a really, really good team, so uh, we're just all excited to get going tomorrow. Is that accurate? Has your new agent been given permission to look for uh, Well, like I said, I mean, that's that's not my focus. That's, that's his focus. My focus is on tomorrow night and having a good practice today, and we did, so just excited for tomorrow. I don't know if you answered the question. What did I say? Not, not the question that he answered. That, that he asked you in to. Oh, I said that's his business, right? That's not my business. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an agent. I, uh, I'm a hockey player. I play hockey, and uh, tomorrow's a home opener, so I'm excited about that. And that's that's what my sole focus is on. But if he's getting permission, whether that's his focus or not, it would indicate that you might have a desire to play elsewhere. Oh, uh, well, that's, 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 that's his job. I mean, I mean, that's, um, no, right now I'm excited to play in a home opener in a, in a Canadian market, right? Isn't that what everybody, uh, as a hockey player, there's nothing really cooler than that. So I'm a Vancouver Canuck, and I'm just excited to get on the ice tomorrow. Are you happy to be a Vancouver Canuck? Yeah, I, I mean, why, why wouldn't I be? I mean, I've been here for two years. Um, you know, I have some really, really good friends here. Uh it's been uh, it's 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 a fun place to play. We've had uh, we've had a good couple of weeks here to get ready, and um, you know I feel like we're we're focused, and we got a big task tomorrow. Are you a believer that if you individually and this team gets off to a good start, that maybe some of this stuff goes away? Like oh no, not with you guys. You guys love this stuff, <laughs> right? Uh, this will never go. No distractions go away. So um, we're just. But for me, you just focus on playing well and um you only focus on game one you know we all came out here early to get ready for game one and that's what's that's what's up uh, for tomorrow so that's that's all we're focused on is it challenging to keep that focus when there is some of the noise like this no no um i you just like i, I go home i don't talk hockey with my wife i take my dog for a walk you get ready for the game i'm a big routine person so i'm about to get my treatment do my stretches and uh go get ready for games tomorrow Pretty big opportunity on the top line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. What's it been like working with those two players? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, they're they're two terrific players. Um, probably didn't have the greatest game against Calgary, 
Um, but Pete was really good. Uh, you know, he carries the play at such an elite level. Sometimes he surprises you with some of the plays he makes when you're out there. It's 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 fun to watch how he handles the puck so so effectively and and plays both sides of the ice so well. Um, you know, chooses his body. So uh, one of the best players in the league. So uh, just go out there tomorrow and, and help him. You mentioned coming back early and having a little extra time. Is this a group that collectively feels they have an edge versus where you were at last year at this point? Yeah, well, I think we've had a great camp. I think we understand our system. Um, and when we play our system effectively, uh, we're a hard team to play against. And I think that's what you saw against Calgary is uh, we, were, we were a hard team to play against. We were in people's faces. We were above all night and played fast. So if we do that, we're going to give ourselves a chance to win a lot of, a lot of games. Connor, you've always had a good relationship with us when we've asked you questions over the years of your time being here. To quiet the noise, to stop being a distraction, you're the only one who has your, your relationship with your agent. So you, you would give him direction. Can you just put it to bed so that there isn't any, any this doesn't linger on in regards <laughs> to either you want to be here or you don't want to be here? And, and, and when it came about for you to say to your agent that maybe it's time to move on? Well, I mean, I think it came out like I, I, I've changed agents in the last, you know, 48 hours. So. Uh, there hasn't been a whole ton of conversation, so um, I don't think there's anything really to put to bed. I just, I, I, again, I think for for us as players, I don't maybe you guys don't realize that you're just such in a tunnel during the season that you're focused on on playing each game. And like I said, I'm a big routine person. I, I just focus on every day. And, and right now, I'm I'm excited. I got a chance to play on the first line tomorrow with two great players against a really good team. Most likely going to play against. You know the best player in the world, so that's that's where probably my focus is at most. But worrying about you know playing against you know 97, you know 29, that's a big task. So that's my focus. You get them twice out of the gate here. Yeah. The start this, the starts obviously the last couple of seasons have been a storyline. Like what about the challenge of trying to get off to a good start but going up against? Yeah, them? yeah. I think we've played in both both first games in my in my starts here. Um, and uh, both have actually been really tight games. We've lost one in the shootout, and then one last year we, we blew that lead. So, um, you know, they come out flying. They're they're uh, you know they're rested, they're hungry, and you know they're coming off a tough playoff loss where you know they've they've gotten better in the off season. We've gotten better in the off season. So um, we played them a couple times preseason. They all look good. We we look good. So it'll be it'll be a good battle tomorrow for sure. That is Connor Garland uh, standing Hilarious. in. And, yeah, I mean, that you know, we read the quotes. Uh, I read the quote from Randeep, and that was, uh, I think it's fair to say, that was spicier than the quotes made it seem. Some back and forth with reporters, you know, going, okay, hey, hold on, are you really answering the question? And, you know, look, obviously Garland is sidestepping <laughs> it to some degree, but I also I take him at face value. We talked about this earlier. Like, I think Garland is absolutely 100% genuine when he says, He's focused on playing Connor McDavid tomorrow night. Yeah, that's what he's worried about. That's what he wants to do. He obviously loves playing hockey, and he's when he says like, "Yeah, I get to play hockey. I get to play NHL games, and that's awesome." And I'm happy about that. I completely take him at face value there. I mean, I was saying I couldn't imagine a player l- less likely to be distracted in any meaningful sense. Can you not hear it in that interview where he's just like, "I'm just, I'm a routine guy. I'm yeah. tunnel visioned. 97, 29, coming in tomorrow. Like, yep. Let's go." I love it. Yeah. I love it. Like, there's nothing about that that's not super endearing to me. I would have loved it as a PR guy. Like, I love it as a reporter. Um, yeah, he was great. Like, that that was great. That yeah. was awesome. And again, you know, look, there was some back and forth. Like, oh, can you put it to bed? And like, But, like, credit to what? him for coming out. And I do think it puts it to bed temporarily. Like, yeah. he's, he's talked to the media about it now. He's answered some very direct, some fairly pointed questions. And, and now people will move on well, for the most part. And, and also, like, I really would struggle with the idea that Garland has like thrown a grenade 
of some sort where it's like, I want out. Like, mm. this team's been trying to trade Connor Garland for years at this point. Yep. And if the two sides have sort of reached an accommodation, first of all, I'm sure it's mutual. Like, deeply, deeply mutual. And I'm sure it's professional. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't see why... I, honestly, I think he's put it to bed for the most part, and there'll be times where he'll have to update the record based on news that unfolds or situations that occur. Certainly as we get close to the trade deadline, for example, or, you know, in the, in the wake of what have you. But, yeah, I mean, not, not only do I think it's he's put it to bed, but I think any formulation that suggests that this is like a Garland-driven story, mm. you know, this has been – he's been on the block for a long time. Yeah. And well, IMAX said it earlier. Like, he talked to Garland once. He said it felt like as soon as I signed my contract, there were trade rumors. And he's not right? wrong. He's no. not wrong, right? Like, this, you know, he was in talks last summer. He was in talks this summer. Like, th- there's been a meaningful effort to move, you know – him, Pearson, Besser, Myers. This isn't a secret. Like, this isn't a secret. Um, obviously, the organization's only been able to do one of four because of the flat cap, because it's been challenging. I love this text. Uh, Garland announced this to take the attention off of Pedersen. That would be true teammate. Next level teammating right there. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, obviously not true. I, I just look, love the idea of, like, all right, I'm going to do you a solid, buddy. I'm going to unre- get this out unrelated. there. Unrelated. He just has new representation, yeah. and, and it's gotten out there. And, you know, I, I think... I, the, the fact that it always gets out there to me would be the thing that I'd be most annoyed by if I was Canucks manager. Yeah, Keith texts in, permission to speak to other teams, both Besser now Garland. I don't remember hearing that term before these two. Is this abnormal? I do it's, think it's, it's not abnormal. It's just abnormal that it gets out. Yeah, and I would say, and maybe this isn't fair, that they uh, certainly Besser is, I feel like it often happens with lower profile players. You know what I mean? Where yes. Or like lower salary guys where – it's maybe harder to gauge the market, and maybe it's not like a front burner issue for the GM. So you kind of enlist the agent, like, yeah, okay, go find a team that's interested. I do feel like Besser and maybe Garland to a slightly lesser extent are higher salaried, higher profile guys than you often hear this. Yeah, with. I mean, look, it's just it's not that uncommon, right? I mean, it it can be, you you can see it done, you know, during like the last year of a guy's deal. Like, go ahead, go find out yeah. what the va- what your value is, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's there's all sorts of reasons that it happens. It's just that it's rare that it gets out as commonly as it seems to for this organization. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. It was an absolutely packed show here today with lots of news. And, hey, it is that time of year because the games start to count for real tomorrow uh, when the Canucks will be on the air tomorrow and the Canucks will be prepping to host the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, in the and the Edmonton Oilers in game one of the season. I'm really excited. Uh, we've seen a few snippets of some of the um, – the uh, the pyrotechnics, if you will, that the Canucks will be doing on the big video board here uh, before the game. We, they've been they've been trying some of that out while we've been on the air here. So uh, I think it's going to be a great show for fans. It's going to be great to have meaningful hockey back. Can't wait. Join us tomorrow, uh, and we will have you covered as the Canucks begin their regular season against the Oilers. It is Sportsnet 650.